Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. In today's episode, we're going to dive into the subconscious mind, in particular, the conditioned mind. So what do we even mean when we say conditioned mind? Believe it or not, when we're born, we're actually born in a state of pure awareness. Things are happening um, within us, within our relationships, within the world around us, and we are simply experiencing them. At the same time, our brain, we all share this universally as humans, we're always seeking to make sense of those internal or external happenings. So what we mean when we say conditioned mind, it's that process of evaluating, assessing, interpreting, or essentially thinking, if we really want to simplify it, about those experiences that we're having. You can almost think of it as a mind within a mind, as when we are born and we are this really pure state of awareness, a pure state of simply beingness. We are just there. We're absorbing everything, every interaction, every cue, everything we hear. We're like sponges absorbing all of that. Over time, when enough repetition happens with consistent social cues, that almost gets cemented into our mind or this mind within a mind, kind of like we're actually being molded through neural pathways. When that's consistent, it gets cemented or habitual. So over time, we have what is created as, or what we're calling, the conditioned mind that you could literally think of as a mind that exists within your actual mind. I love that visual of thinking of, you know, the mind as a whole. And then to go back to an example, if you've listened um, to these podcasts, you've probably heard Jenna speak about the forest and kind of wearing those pathways down. And I'm actually visualizing little forest pathways in our mind as a whole. And just going back for a moment, because in childhood, we're we're dependent, we're immature. We don't have the vantage point or the developmental maturity of having lived life to completely make sense, to really understand what it is that is going on. So we're always, to speak to your point about absorbing, we're always looking to other people for those cues to help us, to help us make sense of what's going on. Because again, we just can't simply do that. We don't have that vantage point that more often than not, the adults have have around us. So we defer to them in a way. And their interpretation of events becomes those interpretations that you're sharing that we're kind of repeating then. They become our interpretations of the events. Yeah, they all become personalized. We're in a developmental state that's called egocentrism. So we don't have, as small children, the emotional maturity to differentiate between my role and another person's role. Instead, Everything is personalized that I, the child, am directly responsible for whatever is happening. So we assign and make meaning of the world around us as if we are the sole person creating that. Say a parent is unavailable or isn't often there to be attentive or is struggling with addiction or works a lot and is absent. To the child, that is internalized as it's my fault that they're absent from me. I must be the reason that they don't want to spend time with me. Even if you are to explain to a child and attune to let them know this is what's happening, which is helpful, maybe giving a reason, you know, oh, I work a lot. This is why I'm not here. That child is still going to personalize because that's the state that they're in. That conditioned mind is being formed. And so, you know, to complicate things, not only are we hearing from these caregivers around us or really anyone that we, you know, interact with in childhood, a lot of times we do directly hear 
their interpretations of us, how they experience us. They might use descriptors like we're loud, we're dramatic, we're shy or anything really in between. So we're we're receiving this information now about us in particular, both from those direct moments of, of what people are actually saying, how they're experiencing us, how they view us, how they perceive us. We're also, because of that developmental stage that we're in, we're also, without them even having to say it, we are going to filter those interpretations or those meanings very much in that personalized way. We're going to make ourselves part of the equation, even in the moments, and there are many moments where those people's choices are impacted by factors completely outside of us and often even completely outside of our ability to emotional or to maturely, emotionally, developmentally understand what's going on. And over time as those, you know, even if you're hearing something consistently like, oh, you're so dramatic or a parent saying you're so loud, it seems nonchalant. And we're in no way pointing fingers at parents or caregivers <laughs> saying, you know, oh, this is bad to do. We're simply bringing awareness. We also do this to ourselves. The language we speak to ourselves during the day, if I'm consistently saying, I'm so depressed, I'm so tired, I am repeating a thought to myself that is a neural network that's firing a network in my brain. When I consistently repeat that thought, over time, I am forming a very cohesive narrative, a very cohesive story or belief about myself. So when that is said in repetition or as a child, when that is absorbed or witnessed in repetition, then over time, this conditioned mind does get formed into, well, that's our reality. There is a belief that, oh, I'm too loud. I'm too dramatic. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough for so-and-so. Those are all the moldings of this conditioned mind. We were born into a pure state of awareness and being. We are all born with our mind and our body. And then we have this conditioned mind that you can almost look at as like Play-Doh or clay that is constantly molding and evolving and shaping over time. So yes, there is this great impact of our conditioning over time that gets cemented. Though thankfully for anyone hearing that thinking, oh my gosh, it's I'm screwed because it's all cemented. We've talked a lot about neuroplasticity as well, the ability to change those neural networks, to create new ones. Our brain is malleable. So while that is conditioned and we wind up with a certain set of conditioning, we can also have conversations like this one, create awareness of that conditioning or this imagery of this whole forest that we have and all of the conditioned pathways that we have within our own mind's forest. When we can become aware of that, then we are able to consciously choose new habits, new patterns to create new pathways so that we're not just stuck with the conditioned mind that we wound up with. And really the reason why we even want to embark on this journey of, of witnessing this conditioning and possibly creating change is because it's so very subjective, those perceptions, interpretations that we're hearing about ourselves. really to simplify it. It is one person's, you know, oftentimes our caregivers experience of us. It doesn't necessarily mean it's generally going to be everyone else's experience of us. And, you know, going back to oftentimes this is very well-meaning parents who are, you know, inadvertently unconsciously making these assessments. But though, again, it's from their lived experience, which is impacted by their own past relationships and circumstances that have occurred oftentimes before we're even present to it. So really simply, it's their filter. It's how they're experiencing us. It doesn't necessarily mean it's how everyone will 
yet in that developmental stage, because we, we depend on these people and we will then take their interpretations because their interpretations, the certainty of, okay, this is what it is because this person who I so depend on told me it is, that will feel much more comfortable than the uncertainty of opening myself up to that possible different newest assessment, which could actually be incredibly valuable. So the reason why we're even having this conversation is so many of us have these ingrained beliefs, narratives, conditioned ideas about ourselves that quite literally came from one or a handful of people's perception, though over time through repetition, you know, and through the confirmation of belief, the biasing that we all, our minds desire that certainty, we then solidify those, wear them as our identity and before long become our conditioning. And becoming that conditioning is becoming those beliefs that you were not born with. You came in as a pure state of beingness and awareness, right? Then this conditioning over time takes place. That's where those beliefs were then formed, which we'll actually dive into on our next episode next week. We're going deeper into those self-beliefs, but starting here with where those even come from. Because as you're saying, with this certainty, this desire for certainty, the conditioned mind or this mind within our mind relies on the certainty of those formed beliefs. So it's helpful to remember here that these aren't true beliefs that you came into the world having. They were beliefs that were formed over time through conditioning. Our conditioned mind relies on that certainty of those beliefs, is always scanning our environment to affirm them, to validate them, to find proof, to back them up, because in that certainty, there's safety. If our conditioned mind knows, oh, okay, this belief that I'm not worthy, I'll scan my environment, I'll find relationships and situations and people to affirm that I, Jenna, clearly am not worthy, okay, well, now I feel safe because I was able to expect that. That's the mentality of our conditioned mind. And I think a really great illustration of this is the common experience that I'm sure many of you listening, I know I have had myself, of moments of unsolicited advice, right? When we're having a conversation with someone, we're sharing something that's stressful or an issue or, you know, something emotional that we're going through and we hear what someone else thinks what we should do, or maybe we're the person offering, you know, in a best attempt, well-intentioned attempt, oftentimes to be connected, to be supportive in that moment, we might hear from other people what they think we should do, what they've done. And again, this is another one of those moments where so outside of our awareness, what we're really doing really simply is leading from our own experience because this is what worked in the past for me or this is something that caused me an issue in the past. So now I'm going to insert from my perspective, not only my perspective of your problem, my perspective of your way to a solution. Um, and those moments, having lived them myself, both as the giver and the receiver, I know that ultimately it ends up more often than not, in frustration for both of us, where the person who's looking for the support often feels invalidated. And the person who's giving the support often does as well, because it, there's a shutdown that happens because there's a, a missing of the mark. And again, I think a large reason of it is because what we think is a best attempt to join someone in their problem is really our perspective or is really being driven, I should say, by our own perspective. Very rarely are we actually living 
in reality, as a society, as humans, as beings in general, we are very often, most of the time, living in our perception of reality, living in our lens or our view of reality. So unsolicited advice, which is a conversation that's been coming up a lot recently, in particular in our private membership, the Self-Healer Circle. There was a discussion about this, which prompted some of these conversations, actually. So thank you to our circle members um, about the giving and receiving of unsolicited advice, because I do believe it comes from a well-intentioned place. There may not be a lot of depth or conscious awareness to that unsolicited advice. And that, again, that's not a good or a bad. It's not a morality thing. It just is. We often go to give because we do want to help. We do want to support. We give in the way that we've learned how, which very often is to give words, to give a thought, to bestow knowledge or wisdom onto someone else, when oftentimes what's actually appropriate and needed is to hold space, to actually just hear and consciously listen to the other person. So I know for myself speaking, being both a giver and receiver of unsolicited advice, that there have been probably too many times to count where I have given advice to another person, maybe not even known I was giving advice at first, but thought I was supporting, was offering something, or maybe they even asked. And what I heard come out of my mouth, I also then immediately heard this little voice in the back of my mind saying, oh, yeah, it'd be really a good idea if you took your own advice, Jenna. And I can already hear that sort of ridiculing inner critic voice already going into this shame cycle about the awareness that I am having. And that's a really great opportunity for me to notice that and hone in on that. There's a knowledge or wisdom or advice, something that I'm giving this other person that is really something that is an internal dialogue that is meant for me. Now, it doesn't make it good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just another note that I'm offering to all of you so that you can pause and do your own scan of yourself. You may have also noticed this or caught yourself giving advice or maybe even being the receiver of someone else's advice, solicited or unsolicited. And in the back of your mind, you're hearing this person speak to you while you're over here, not listening to them, but thinking, hmm, be really great if you actually took that advice. That's not for me. When you're able to step back and be aware of those interactions in conversation, you can start to see the world and the perception that you're living in. If I'm giving advice to someone and already having a ping or a knowing that really that's reserved for me, I'm able to start to see the world from my own perception, from my own conditioned mind, which also gives me the ability and the opportunity to hear and see and witness other people in an understanding that they are living and expressing from their own projection of their own conditioned mind as well. I think even I love that you're bringing up um, this internal critical voice, this internal you know criticizing narrative, because this is even a, a really common example of what we're speaking about here in terms of the conditioned mind. Again, we don't at birth come out, you know, judging. We do have the capacity to scan around, to assess, and we do use other people. I think we have even did a uh, previous podcast episode on comparison and how, you know, there is a natural tendency to kind of see how we can fit in 
to these groups that again we are dependent on not only in infancy but throughout our you know human development connecting with other humans is how we've not only you know survived how we've you know uh, uh, given ourselves connecting with other humans is how we've learned how to t- to survive um, as a species so while we do kind of have that assessment looking we don't tend to naturally you know or we don't tend to repeatedly i should say criticize ourselves. So as we're, you know, gaining this awareness, um, as I like to describe this practice of gaining consciousness, like putting the overhead lights on so that you can see those moments and create that separation. And when you do begin to see an endless critical judgmental narrative, chances are that is a byproduct of your conditioning of some early environment of some actual, maybe direct assessment that you heard reflecting that negativity, or again, an accumulation of the environment that your developmentally immature perspective landed on, that it was because you are not worthy, not lovable, whatever was happening or not happening in your environment, you became the cause. You continue to preferring the familiar, repeat those assessments through life. And now before you know it, you're living with that internal conditioned critical voice inside of you, though, again, bringing this up. And I think it's so important. And I appreciate that you went down this road of that critical voice. It's, it isn't a reflection of, of your internal worth. That is a practice thought that has become a belief over time, validated by the environment, but it is by no means the whole of who you are. There's something really important in that sentence there, that a belief is simply a practiced thought over time. So yes, you have your current set of beliefs now, and we'll dive into this deeper on next week's episode, that we're here now with our beliefs. That also means we have the opportunity to create new beliefs because all they are are practice thoughts over time. And what I consistently hear takeaways from all of you viewing or listening on these episodes is really boiling this down to a simplicity of becoming aware. And no matter what topic we create, how far we stretch it out or where we go in the conversation, it will always come back to a state of awareness. When we first entered this world, we were in a pure state of awareness, simply being aware, simply observing, simply witnessing, and simply absorbing. So this critical voice, I love that this ended up here, that voice, if we are unaware of it, is likely there all the time on our autopilot. If your conditioning created an inner critic or that critical voice, then over time, that meaning and that narrative that was assigned does get cemented. It starts to accompany you all throughout life. So if I'm detached and I'm unaware of my thoughts and I'm just autopiloting in my conditioned mind, living as if my conditioned mind is who I am, then that inner critic is just going on a constant repeat and I'm not even aware of it. While it's on that constant repeat, it is strengthening those pathways, that neural network each and every time. That neural network is what I keep referring to as a path in the forest. That thought or this shame, I'm not good enough, we'll say that's one. That's a pathway. If I don't pay attention to the thoughts that I'm having, there is a very clear cemented pathway in my conditioned mind as Jenna 
that has that clear road. If I just continue on an autopilot and choose not to be aware, then over and over and over all day long, that pathway is being walked down. So I literally can't leave it. And this is a really powerful thing to to note about our conditioned mind is that most of us get stuck or confused or sort of live in this limbo of trying to become aware of what our conditioned mind is because we're so in it. We think that our sheer existence and the being that I am is actually my conditioning. So the best way to even begin separating or beginning to note yourself separate from this conditioned mind that is really a mind within your mind is to become aware of your thoughts, to start noticing those thoughts throughout the day. I've noticed myself recently, I've been more dysregulated than usual, more just sensitive, feeling emotional. And I keep going into an inquiry of like, what gives? What's there? There's something for me to explore. And for the last week, I mean, Nicole's dad was here. So we had family in town. There was just a lot going on. And so often I noticed myself knowing I'm low on my own resources. I caught my thoughts because I'm now in a practice of noticing my thoughts. Every day I have caught them going back to this inner critical cycle or this shame cycle. And it's helpful for me to know and not shame that I'm going there, but to just notice it. Oh, that's my mind doing this thought again. I maybe feel a tightness in my chest or I notice my fists are really clenched or I'm feeling really down. When I notice that in my body, I immediately now go to my thought and I try and as quickly as I can think, what was the last thought that I was just thinking? More often than not recent, it's been a critical thought. And that's really helpful for me to become aware of because then I have the opportunity to begin to reframe that or almost stop it in its tracks. I really appreciate you sharing um, from your own lived experience as of recent kind of what this can look like in real time. Because I know for many of you listening and when I began my journey, I I wasn't attuned, attentive, aware of this process. And I think for a lot of us, that's why we feel so powerless and so reactive as we catch ourselves when we're mid-reaction or somewhere after the fact, you know, post-reaction, feeling oftentimes really bad if we've, you know, shamed ourselves or, or harmed someone else, um, a loved one in particular. And, you know, we don't have those moments to see all of these dominoes, if you will, that have fallen to create that reaction. It's happening so far out of our awareness and our conditioned mind is so powerfully leading those behaviors until we become conscious. And as we become conscious, we do then gain access to begin to see these chain of events and just keeping the focus right now on our minds, like you're beautifully suggesting, Jenna, you know, this practice can begin with just to your thoughts. And I know when we first, you know, begin to speak to new members about this practice of consciousness. I can't tell you how many members are shocked because they are leading their life from their mind up. Um, they don't yet have that separation. And as we become aware by just, again, setting that daily commitment to just be aware of the thoughts running through your mind, then you see how repetitive they are. Then you get to see evidence of those pathways, of those conditioned beliefs that prior to this moment probably were encasing your reactions were even for some of us, the identity that we were becoming in the world. And so for a lot of you, as you sign off from this podcast, you know, what begins as maybe empowering information that there is the possibility of this separation, 
the empowerment continues as you actually practice that separation, as you actually take those moments to notice the thoughts in your mind that aren't reflective of who you are, creating a little bit of space for you to begin to choose new thoughts, for you to begin to choose new interpretations, or just begin to let in new information of possibility for what might actually be happening. And again, all of that begins, as you're beautifully saying, Jenna, with this practice of consciousness. And again, with this awareness that the conditioning, these repetitive patterns, these stories critical of nature for most of us aren't who we are. And as always, looking forward to continuing all of these conversations and diving into, I know what will probably for many of you be a, another important topic, which is diving into how this applies to beliefs, to those actual repetitive narratives um, that for so many of us have become the definition of who we are over time. So diving back into the workbook, How to Meet Yourself, during next episode as we talk a bit about beliefs. So hoping many of you tune in and as always, sending all of the appreciation for all of you who are tuning in, who are sharing these podcast episodes that are resonating and who are commenting and continuing this conversation with us all. I look forward to doing so with all of you again next episode.